quote by Winston Churchill right at the close of uh, World War II. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. You know, we owe our freedoms, don't we? We owe our freedoms to the people who've paid with their own sacrifice, with their own life. And, you know, what, what do we do with that? What do we do on a, on a, on a weekend that's set aside uh, to honor and to remember um, what it cost for us to have the simplicity, the simple freedoms that we do enjoy? The fact that we can sit in a church service and we can lift up the name of Jesus freely without any fear of reprisal. Uh, the, the freedom to the fact that we can uh, cross a border into the outer banks and uh, not have to stop and uh, show a passport. Um, you know, the freedoms that we have that we just so often take for granted. Can we not take them for granted this weekend? Can we just pause, even as we did just a moment ago, and say, wow, you know, it might not have been everybody. It might have been just 3% of the population. But if those 3% hadn't done what they did, then we wouldn't have what we have. We owe a huge debt, don't we? Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful, Lord. We're so thankful for the reminder. And for those that put a, a holiday called Memorial Day on the calendar so that we could pause because we just get so busy, Lord. We get so distracted. We, we, we try to stay in the moment, but we forget what's been uh, purchased so that we could have the moments that we have. And we forget those who have purchased it. And so, Father, I pray that we would do our part Lord, that we would find a way to express uh, to the next generation, Lord, what it is that you have done so that we could keep alive uh, that honor and, and that memory, that we could keep the stories going, Lord God, so that people hear uh, and we never, ever forget. And Lord, that in the, inspiring this next generation, there would be a, uh, there would be a, a desire, Lord, to be the right kind of hero. Not the hero that's on the internet, not the hero that, uh, that makes millions of dollars, but the hero that says freedom costs something and I'm willing to pay the price. Thank you for that kind of heroism in our world, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to thank you for being here um, with us today. I have uh, a few thoughts for you from the Word. I'm going to talk today about the uh, prophetic uh, patterns for parenting. And uh, if you're not a parent, um, thank God for your parents. But even if you're not a parent today, um, you know, there, there's a, enough word, there's enough insight in here that I think you'll pick up uh, some of where we're headed today, and I think it'll bless you. I think it'll help you. Um, before we go into the word, I want to ask you a question. Do you, uh, I, I want you to just, uh, okay, everybody, don't, don't worry about it. This is church, okay? Nothing weird going to happen here. Pause and just close your eyes. I want you to imagine the dining room that you grew up in or the, or the, the kitchen. Where was the kitchen table um, or the dining room table where you had meals regularly? Can you do that? I want you to just picture it. Uh, maybe it was round or square. Uh, did it have a tablecloth on it continually? Um, what, what color was the carpet? Do you remember what color was the, the wallpaper, you know, back in the day? Uh, maybe it was paneling, whatever. And I want, you to just, I want you to just think about that for a minute, okay? Just think about that. Um, all right, open your eyes. You, 
Can you remember it? Can you remember some of it? Do you remember there were some defining moments? Maybe you remember the fragrances. Maybe you remember the smells. Maybe you remember the, the uh, you know, the favorite meal that, that came out of that. We talked in the 8 o'clock service about comfort food. Okay, so it's getting close to lunchtime, so let's talk about comfort food. Let me, let me ask you, uh, shout out comfort food. What, what comfort food do you think of when you think of what is comfort food? What is it? What is it? Uh, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Some, some of, that was a strong one over here. What was it? Mac and cheese. I heard mac and cheese. What else? Fried chicken. What else? Nachos. What else? What? Steak. Ooh. You're too young to have steak. What are you talking? No, no, I'm just joking. Shout it out, buddy. What you got? Oh, the bread of God. Ooh, he's going to get me back on track. Comfort food. That's right. Um. So, you know, why does it, why is it comfort food though? Let me, add, let me push on that for a minute. Why is comfort food, comfort food, what differentiates comfort food from food? I want to suggest to you that it, there's probably a certain level of nostalgia that gets mixed in with the recipe so that whatever was happening in your life at the time when you had that food, you want to seal that moment. You want to hang on to it. You want to go back to it as often as you can, right? And uh, er, earlier it was uh, where there was a conversation. Uh, I'd never had chicken and dumplings till I came to Gloucester. And I had chicken and dumplings at Dolores Smith's house. And that was, that was the comfort food around there. If it, you know, and, and so she would boil that chicken all day. And then she would, uh, she would pick it apart. And then they would take and they, and they would make up. I mean, you know, the, the dumplings, they would just make them. For, she'd make them from scratch. The kids all picked up. This is a recipe that all the kids said, we want that recipe. Right? Why? Why is that? Because the memories get mixed in with the recipe, and that's not just food anymore. Takes me back. Takes me back, right? And so there are things that hang on. Now, the reason I'm sharing this, these thoughts with you is because here's, here's what I'm convinced of. I think every family, every person in here, if you came to church this morning, unless somebody drug you here, you know, unless you were just made to be here, that might have happened to somebody, down, boy. Um, unless, unless somebody brought you in here, you know, and, and you know, then there's something on the inside of you that 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 says there's more to life than just life. Because God. And because God, I've, I've got to know more. I've got to understand more. There's more to him. The Bible says it this way. God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And so that life doesn't really make sense unless it's lived in conjunction with the one who is eternal. That everything else is just stuff, but when, when we understand that there's a living God and we factor that understanding into how we live life, then life takes on a new meaning. Tracking with me? And so what I want to suggest to you is that if you have a goal in life, you say, I want to, I, you know, I, I want to live for the Lord. I want to live better. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. That's a wonderful goal, but goals themselves just don't get it done. There has to be a change in our lifestyle. There has to be a behavior change. One of, the, one of the things that we have to do is we have to anchor behavior changes to our habits. 
We've got to make a habit of something. You are, uh, you're, you're not going to like what I have to say. Can I just tell you, right? You are, you, you, you fall to the level of your habits. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your habits. And so whatever your habits are, those habits are determining the behaviors of your life and uh, consequently the identity that you carry. And so if we, could, if we could hack this thing called habits, if we could get the tip and the trick and the combination of how we can develop the kind of habits we need to be whatever, to, be, to live for God, to be a professional sports person, to be whatever, 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 and we can begin to maneuver and move into the, into the direction of that, our, our life could look drastically different than it really does. Now, uh, the reason that this is important is in our passage uh, in Deuteronomy today. I want, I want to take you there in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, it, this is a, a very significant transition moment because Moses is, is telling the children of Israel, uh, I received this thing from the, the, from the Lord and I'm going to pass it to you and you need to keep it as a pattern. And if you'll keep this as a pattern, not only will you be blessed, but your children will be blessed. And if they pick up the pattern, then your children's children are going to be blessed. This is a pattern that's going to be part of your life. And this is how they're going to begin to walk in the promises of God. It's a habit. It's a pattern. And uh, this particular passage that we're going to talk about was, was prayed in, in, uh, in, in Jewish homes today. It's still prayed at least twice a day, at least twice a day. And so uh, I want us to read this out loud together. Can you do that with me? These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Whoa, that was a run-on sentence, wasn't it? Now let's go. Number three, uh, here O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, uh, what God is giving instructions to Moses about was how to fashion a people who understand that there's a living God and how to honor him. It's not enough just to hear the word. It's, it's, it's important to obey the word. It's not a, enough to be aware of it. Oh, I'm cognitively, I understand that the living God is out there somewhere. He's saying, no, you've got to observe these commands. You've got to walk this out. We have an observance of Memorial Day this weekend right? Uh, that's, that's what uh, it's set aside for. We have to do the right thing at the right time. And in, in, in doing so, we are observing what it is that God's called us to do. So twice a day, twice a day, this is called the Shema. Shema just means hear. So when you, when you see the reading from verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
This was, a rep, this was rep, uh, repetition in the lives of the people that heard it day after day after day. They heard it from the time God brought them out of Egypt. They came out at, from, from being slaves and they were brought into the freedom that the living God himself gave them. Notice that Moses is saying, you're going into the promised land, but you're not going to be there free unless you observe the commands of the Lord. How many of you have had blessings in your life and then you couldn't hang on to them? How many of you, how many times, do you, you want to know why lottery winners often end up worse financially than, they, than before they got the lottery? Because they didn't know how to handle the money in the first place. They didn't have the habits in place that they needed. They didn't have the understanding about money that they needed to hang on to it, which maybe was why they were playing the lottery in the first place. Just a thought. Boy, I bashed social media last week <laughs> and the lottery this week. <sighs> Just know I'm not legalistic, okay? No condemnation in Christ Jesus. Here's, here's what I want you to see, though, is that, that, is that the, the Jews understood that it's not enough to just have a goal. You've got you've to put some activity behind it. You've got to have some action behind it. Oh, and there's one more thing that's interesting about this, that whenever the Jews would, uh, would, would say the Shema, they wouldn't just say the Shema. They would sing the Shema. The Shema was put to music. It was put to a tune. And it's funny because tunes have the ability to help you hang on to understanding in ways that you wouldn't have had before, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Come on, don't make me. L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y and Z, and you're going to get creative with the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. Next time, sing this dumb song with me, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, now what's amazing about that, you didn't know this, I bet, but did, go, go with me here, right? Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How many of you didn't know until just now that they use the same tune? The ABC song and Twinkle Twinkle, boom, mind blown. I didn't know. I was 50 before I found that out. So, you know, uh, so the, the, the tune that goes along with it. Now, I could, I could go further, you know. Bye-bye, Miss American Pie. When was the last time you sung that in church, right? <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try to steer this thing. Where's that young man that was helping me with the bread of God earlier? Let me, let me get back in there. Okay, so here's, here's, what I, here's what I want you to get a hold of with this, uh, with this understanding, is that we've got to develop habits that keep our understanding and our clarity about who God is and about what he wants to do. So uh, this is the, the, the best way to do it. Here's, here's step one. First things first. Everybody say that out loud. First things first. First things first. You, you don't have to do everything, but you do have to start somewhere. So start with the first thing. 
Start with the first thing. Now, this is going to sound elementary, but I can guarantee that we don't all do it. It might be simple, but it's not easy. It's simple to understand, but the grasping of this and putting first things first, especially when it comes to the things of God, it, it seems like everything else wants to sneak up and get in the way. Jesus said it this way uh, for us in the New Testament. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things. What, what, what does all the other things mean? In the Greek, it means all the other things. It means your house payment, your, your, your car maintenance, you know, all of these. He said all these other things are going to be added to you as well. Don't be like a pagan that acts like he doesn't have a heavenly father who's looking after him. Don't go chasing stuff. Pursue God. Pursue God. How do you do that, Pastor Ken, in a practical way? How do, can I tell you? It goes back to first things. Give God the first day of the week. Sunday's the first day of the week. You thought it was the weekend, but it's not. Uh, the weekend actually en ends at midnight on Saturday, right? Sunday morning is the first day of the week. It's the first day of the week. Why would you say that, Pastor Ken? Well, the Jews celebrated the Sabbath on Saturday, but Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. So we celebrate uh, the first day, not only Resurrection Day, but we, we celebrate the first day of the week for us as believers is on Sunday. And so... So give God the, the first day of the week. Give God the first part of your day. The first part of your day. Now, some of y'all need to get a little bit of margin going in your day. Because some of y'all hit the snooze so many times that, oh, I know, I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm going there. I'm going there. It's okay. I'm a, I'll, I'll plow out the whole row by the time I'm done with this, okay? Some of y'all uh, go to bed so late that as soon as you, you know, you hit that snooze, hit that snooze, hit that snooze, and you, and you roll out of bed, you're just barely going to make it to work on time, whatever the case may be. You need margin in your life. You need some slack time. You need to stop trying to do everything and just do the important things. You will be glad you did. Get some margin in your day so that you can spend some time with Jesus in the morning. You say, Pastor Ken, I'm a night person. I'd rather talk to Jesus at night. Jesus is not going to talk to you at 2 in the morning. He's in bed. Why? Because he gets up with me at 4. Now, I, I can point to you, I can point to you the studies that, that deal with circadian rhythm, uh, circadian rhythm, and how that if you uh, will go to bed at a decent time and get up in the morning, you will be more productive. You say, I'm a night person. No, 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 no. You've adapted to that, but that's not really your best. You will be better as a morning person, especially if you have coffee. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Jesus doesn't want to talk to me until I have coffee anyway. <laughs> give God the first day of the week. Give God the first part of your day. Um, give God uh, the first portion of your money. First things belong to God. The first portion is the lordship portion. It's the portion that says, I honor this above everything else. I honor the Lord on Sunday. I honor the Lord on the first part of my day. I don't want to start my day without him. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to greet him in the morning, and I'm going to connect with him, and then everything throughout my day uh, begins to fall into place. Give God the first portion of your money. Do you really think you can finance your own life? I don't trust myself financing my own life. So I honor the Lord with the first portion of my money. And can I tell you, Mom and Dad, that, that it's so important, just a few minutes, that you would pray with your kids before they go out the door. It's so important. It just doesn't seem, and you know what? They're going to go, oh, I don't have time for this. Oh, and it's going to, all of it, they're going to push back. You know, you know why? Because the executive function of their brain is not developed yet. The will portion that says this is important and I will do it. You know when that, that part actually develops in their brain? Let me cut you some slack. It doesn't actually develop, fully develop until they're 29. So you think about, do, do, do teenagers need parental guidance? Absolutely. Their bodies are made, their, their bodies are teeming over with hormones and, and, and they can get themselves into trouble uh, so quickly, but their executive function of their brain isn't functioning the way it needs to. They don't understand the results of this activity. They don't understand where this activity is going to end up. That's why they do, watch this, y'all. Yeah. What happens when I what happens when I put the gas to the to the floor? Watch this, y'all. You know, they don't think about, oh, I gotta stop. They don't think about any of that. Why? Because that's a part of the brain's not formed yet. And then one day, 29. <laughs> what was I thinking? You actually weren't. You weren't thinking at all. You didn't think for 18, 19, 20. You weren't thinking. Right? We get a little bit older and we, we're kind of like, why? You know, I'm having fun with this, but you get where I'm coming from. Seek first. Moms and dads, when you, when you start putting, you put that word in on a daily basis. You put it in every day. And a lot of it's just going to fall off. And you're going to, and you, you just put it in and it's going to fall off. But can I tell you, you, you start praying. You start praying and they can't get, they can't run. That, that prayer is going to catch up with them. It doesn't matter if they, ah, it's just, it's just nothing, it's just nothing, it's just nothing. I'm in the kingdom today because I had a grandmother who prayed me in. I had a grandmother who mentioned my name before the father on a date. She, not just me, but all of, all of the, the grandkids, all of the kids on, on Goldie Kyholtz's side, she was a woman of prayer. She prayed me in. And she, it didn't matter what everybody else was doing. Grandma's praying. And you know what? God won out. Can I tell you, a lot of my family knows Jesus today because of Graham's prayers. She never got to see it this side of heaven. But she sees it now, right? And so first things first. Secondly, step two, focus passionately on the one true God. If I came to your house and I sat in on the dining room conversation, and can I encourage you, don't, don't just always, I'm not, I'm not again, not legalis, legalistic about this, but don't eat in front of the television all the time. It's okay sometimes. But get around the, yeah, right? Get around the, get around the table. I'm going to give you a statistic that the majority of people in the penitentiary today did not have evening meals with the mother and a father 
or at least a mother around the dining room table. People who stay out of the penitentiary had four or five evening meals every week with a family member. Now, if that statistic doesn't help you gain some understanding, why, why is that important? Because it's around the table that you hear one another, that you listen to one another. It's around the table that mom and, mom and dad are picking up on some vibes. Who'd you say you were with today? Ah, uh-huh. we're, we're picking stuff up. We're, we're learning stuff. We're figuring stuff out. Okay, yeah, I'm going to make a phone call, honey. <laughs> you know, you, why? Because we need to stay in touch with what's going on. And, and what I can tell, if I was around your, your dining room table, I could find out what was important to that family. I could find out if sports were the deal. I could find out if, if fishing and hunting was the deal. I could find out if, if uh, you know, if, if what everybody thought about them up and down the block, I could find out if that was the deal. Why? Because I listened to the conversation. From the abundance of the heart, the, that's not just safe, people. That's, that's a statement of fact. Whatever is talked about, that's what's important. Uh, and so you and I need to realize that whatever we're passionate about, that's what our kids are going to pick up. If we're passionate about one style of music, they might reject it, but they'll know all the words that they couldn't get out of their head. If we're passionate about something, that's what our kids pick up, and that's what this passage is talking about in Deuteronomy. Uh, in in, in the, that original text, he never quite says teach, but he says impress the word on your kids. Talk about the word when you're sitting down and when you're lying down and when you get, just talk about it. Just let it be on your tongue. Let the conversation be there. You say, well, Pastor Ken, I'm not a teacher. He didn't say you had to teach about it. He just said, talk about it. Talk about the word. Talk about what God's doing. Talk about how the Lord is doing. You know, I, you get around people and they can, you know, politics is just in the air all the time now, right? Well, what happens when you start talking about what Jesus is doing? What happens when you start talking about answered prayer? What happens when you begin to say, you know what, let's just put that aside for a minute. Let's just read the word for a second. I had a, uh, one of the things that was, uh, was important around my grandma's table um, when I was a kid was uh, she had a little promise box. Anybody know what a promise box is? A little promise box, just a one verse of scripture. It's a, it's a, little, uh, it's a little card, and it just sits there. And a lot of them were the, 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 a little bread box, you know, a little daily bread, and everybody take out there. And, and so everybody, when we sat down at the table, everybody got a scripture around there. And, uh, and so each person would read their, their scripture. And every time little Kenny Kramer got his uh, scripture, Grandma always said, oh, Kenny, that's my favorite verse. It never occurred to me at seven years old that she said that about every verse that I ever got. Oh, Kenny, that's my favorite verse. But you know what? You know what she was doing? She was impressing me. She was, in, she was impressing that word on me. She was, she was speaking that word over my little mind. She was, uh, the, the routine that we had, just the fact that we got together as a family, just the fact that the word of God was present while we were present, while the food was there. Man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's a very practical way 
It's a very practical way to bring in the word at the same time we're getting food. We're nourishing our spirits at the same time that we're nourishing our bodies. And, and so uh, you got to check your heart. What are you excited about? What consumes your conversations? What are you talking about uh, around the table the most, right? Those are the things that are going to stick with your kids, evaluate those investments look at it and say okay i've only got can i tell you you know the the song don't blink i mean that's the reality i who, how can this be possible that i'm a grandfather how can this be possible i don't get it and and so what you need to realize is the time you have with your kids is very very short and what you need to do is steal up all of that time that you can and invest it in their eternal well-being, in their eternal training, in their eternal understanding. So you got to evaluate your investments. Entertainment versus edification. Entertainment versus edification. You know, are we going to watch a movie? Or are we going to build up our souls some kind of way? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I, I could do, I could do with one less boring Christian movie. I, you know, the things of God are exciting because God's in it, but Christians oftentimes are boring. Christians oftentimes lack the creativity of their creator. Y'all don't believe me. Do y'all believe me? I don't care if you believe me. It's true. God's not boring. Christians are. Why is that important? Because we think that communicating truth always has to be chapter and verse. Take out your Bibles. When the wisdom of God, I mean the God who spoke and created everything that we see. The wisdom of God, the truth of the word, it, it flows. Yes, it's in the text, but it, that's not all there is to it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's not just the text. That's Jesus himself. Truth is a man named Jesus who came and, and brought to us what adventure really is. Right? Right? Living a righteous life in an ungodly world. How do you do that? How do you even do that? Well, with the help of the Holy Spirit on the inside. Our kids need the helper. You know? And when we begin to communicate around the table, kids, the other day I had this choice to make. And let me tell you how hard it was. It was this, 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 and this, and it was against me. And you know what? I, I just stopped and I prayed, and the Lord gave me this idea. The Lord said, go talk to this person. The Lord said, and we begin to share the, uh, our own life also. You, there needs to be enough passion for Jesus around your table that people know that you're saved. That people know that he's important. That people know that Jesus is far and away more important than sports, more important than cars, more important than houses, more important than fishing. Oh, Pastor Ken, you shouldn't have said that. I'm preaching to myself now. Social media versus solid learning. Invest in defining moments with your children. What are the defining moments? What are those things that they'll hang on to and they'll never forget? Invest in those things. 
and make sure that Jesus is laced in into that defining moment when they, they walk away and they can't get on the other side. Every time they'll retell the story, the story is right there connected to who Jesus is. Step three, we're going to finish here. Minimize distractions. Man, our world is so full of distractions. Our world has so many different ways. You know, think, think about it like this, you know. Um, years and years ago, how many of you remember the Sears catalog? How many of you remember the Wish Book before Christmas? I had whole sections of the Wish Book that were just mine. And I had circles all over them. And yet, it's, I know this sounds like foreign language to y'all. You don't even know what I'm talking about. What's a Sears? You don't even know that. Get an education, will you? Um, and, and so, you know, we, we used to have catalogs that we had to order from in order to get the Christmas presents. And you had to order them in advance and, you know, several weeks for delivery and all this kind of stuff. You have no clue. Robots are showing up at your door. You, hour, you order something and an hour later, a drone brings it in and drops it on your front step. I'd like to see one of those get past my dog. Anyway, uh, that'd be fun. Um, but... Uh, but the reality is, you know, we had to learn to wait, right? We had to, we had to, uh, we had to realize, you know, oh, time's invested in this, and so you had to send the check and all that kind of stuff. Well, in our day, there are so many distractions. What time does Amazon open anyway? Never closes. How much stuff can you get online? The world, everything, distractions, distractions. Eliminate distractions from your life. You've got to find a way to do that. Here, here can I just tell you, if you didn't get anything else, you, first things first was very important. That step one is very important. Step two is important. But step three, moms and dads, you've got to help your kids discern what's really important and eliminate the distractions from their lives. Well, I can't do that, Pastor Ken. You better. Because if you don't, they're not going to understand that they don't have to be inundated with information 24-7. And that not all information is necessary. And not, in, not all information is important. And not all information is expedient. Right? And, and so we've got to be the parents that say, you know what? Well, let's, let's eliminate those things, those distractions, time wasters. Time is the one commodity that you can't save up. So it's the most valuable. How much time is burned in front of a screen? Can't get it back. How much time is, is uh, taken? How many of you, you ever, you ever read one of, those, uh, uh, one of those advertisements that says, it will save you time? Okay, well, sh well, show me in the spreadsheet where it saved me time. Show me where I have more than 24 hours in a day. Show me the bank account where you store up your time. You don't get it back. So one of the things that we as parents have to do, and moms and dads, we have to learn this for ourselves, is that we have to teach our kids to be very discerning about time. Right? Psalm 90 says, teach us to number our days aright so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is what is necessary in order to build a life. And the right patterns to build your life are found in what do I do with my time? And if you get to the end of the week and you say, where, where'd all my time go? You probably had some stolen somewhere along the line because we didn't identify those time wasters.
Let's stand this morning. We're going to finish up here. I know I've run a little bit over time, but I really felt strongly that one of the things that you and I have to do is, is we have to realize that our, our identity is created by our behaviors, and our behaviors are created by our habits. And if you're not the person that you want to be today, even though you know Jesus, if you've got some habits that are hanging you up and not allowing you to move into the kind of behavior that God wants you to have, then it's not God's fault. It's your opportunity to say, I can make a change in my behavior today. I can make a change in my habits. And when I change that habit, I'll get the behaviors that I'm looking for. Moms and dads, you need to realize you're not at the mercy of the, this culture when it comes to raising your kids. You set them on the right path with the right kind of habits, then you'll get the behaviors you want, then God will get the identity that he's looking for. But if you're looking in the wrong, oh God, why are my kids running amok? And sometimes he's saying, yeah, why are you letting them run amok? Why have you let them get distracted by everything? There's only one thing that's expedient. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Get that right. First things first. What are you passionate about? So do a heart check. Put that stethoscope over your heart. Oh, it's too hard to do that. Okay, what's coming out your mouth? That's the stethoscope. What's coming out your mouth? What are you talking about the most? Talking about bad behaviors, talking about politics, talking about all these other things. What are you passionate about? Because that's what they're going to get. That's what the people around you are getting. That's what they're hearing. They're hearing the secrets of your heart laid bare as you speak. So, Father, as we bow our heads today, I'm going to ask our, our uh, prayer partners to come down here at the altar. If you need prayer for anything, you just, anytime while I'm talking, you just step out. There's no special, uh, there's, there are some folks that are, I believe are going to receive healing here this morning, but if you need prayer for anything, just come on uh, down and uh, meet us down here at the front. Father, we just commit ourselves to you today. Jesus, we can seek you first because you put us first who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Lord, you're not asking us to do anything you didn't already do for us. You brought righteousness to us, Lord. Nobody else could do that. We can't get that from the internet. We can't purchase that from Walmart. We can't get it anywhere else, Lord God. We can't even produce it ourselves. Righteousness only comes from you. So, Lord, this morning I pray that as we approach you, Lord, that we would be uh, willing, Lord God, to lay our, our burdens down, that we would lay our challenges down, that we would lay down our way of doing things, and we would take up your way of doing things this morning. Praise God. Praise God. In prayer this morning, uh, Holy Spirit said uh, there are women 
several women with lower back pains in their spine, their hips are hurting, and the Lord wants to straighten those out. He wants to realign that. So if that's you, just step out from where you're at. If you need healing in your body, just step out from where you're at, and uh, we'll pray for you this morning. Um, if you want to draw near to the Lord this morning, come to the altar. We'll, we'll just pray for you this morning. We'll pray We'll pray with you about uh, what's going on in your life. If you're in a transition in your life, today's a good day to just come before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I want to seek you about this next step in my life. I want to seek you about this transition uh, in my life. Come on, just step out from where you're at. We want to pray with you. We're just going to close here in just a moment, uh, but uh, I need some more prayer. Uh, partners down front here, if you can step out from where you're at, just come on down and pray with some of these folks. And uh, let's go ahead and minister this morning. Praise God. We'll wait just a moment this morning. Father, we just praise you right now, Lord. We praise you, Lord God, that you have called us to be people, Lord God, that pattern our lives after you. Lord, we want to we love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength. God, we come before you today, Lord God, knowing that your way is the best way. So, Father, we just uh, lay aside, Lord, anything that would distract us today. Lord, we're, we want our passion, our red-hot passion to be for you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now for all that you have in store for us, God. We thank you, Lord God, that we can walk in your ways. We can walk in what you've called us to. Father, in Jesus' name, we just praise you right now for all that you want to do.
none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. lift our hands to the Lord this morning. Father, we're just so thankful, Lord God. We're so thankful in this house for your love for us. We're so thankful in this house, Lord, for uh, the, the faithfulness of God that we see exhibited in the people of God. Lord, I'm just so encouraged, Lord, as I look around and I see generation after generation that's honoring you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you're doing here at Lighthouse to raise up the generations, Lord God. Use us for your glory, Lord God. Let us shine the, the glorious light of the gospel wherever we go. Let us share the love of Jesus wherever we go. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we've had today to, to uh, walk in the freedom that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. If you're a guest with us, stop by Inside Lighthouse today. And uh, we just want to practice some hospitality and love on you today. Have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you soon.